City have another chance. What's going on, Orlando City fans? Welcome back to the Lions Blog Podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Rushnow, and today we will be previewing the season and the Atlanta game coming up. But before we get started, I'd like to thank our sponsors. Of course, there is Luz Bonsai, run by OC Twitter's very own Jonathan Ridner. They offer the finest quality bonsai trees and products at the lowest possible prices. Luz Bonsai is currently offering 15% off to all Orlando City SC supporters, uh, which that 15% will be going to the Orlando City Foundation. All, all you have to do is enter GO CITY in all caps at checkout, and the 15% discount will be added to your order and to Orlando City Foundation. Website is Luz Bonsai, L O U S B O N S A I dot biz. And of course, we have Cappy's subs. You can order over the phone there at 407-647-9099 or online at cappiessubsfl.com, all one word. They're located at 501 North Orlando Avenue, Maitland, Florida, not Winter Park. Make sure to leave a five-star review. We'll be reading them out on the podcast. And with that, Daniel, how are you doing? Pretty good. How are you doing, guys? Good. I hope you're having a good Sunday. Chase, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Good to hear. And Adam, rough day for you today. Yeah, a little bit, um, but, you know, good to be back with the boys. Yes, 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 exactly. Let's start with your overall, just bird's eye view. Chase, you get to go first today. Overall expectations for Orlando City this season. How, how are you feeling about the season coming up? We're, we're, we're on, we are one week away. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good I, I think that the general consensus is that we're at the very least a top four team probably at the best maybe second because uh columbus seemed to have only really gotten stronger so that's going to be you know tough to kind of push for first in these but <coughs> i mean yeah it's it's uh it's looking good i think that we've made some good additions uh in in the uh, in the transfer window over the off season and and i think our attack certainly is going to be uh improved hopefully will you know, be able to kind of take advantage of some of the chances that we'll create. Um, you know, I would like to see, you know, our, our defense, you know, our back line did well last year, but through injury and whatnot, um, there are a few shaky times and, you know, we didn't necessarily improve, particularly in places like the left back position where I think it was kind of obvious that, you know, someone had to come in, um, you know, someone beyond, you know, a college draft pick, which, you know, maybe we'll find success there, but, uh, to be it, fair, they did find somebody, but yeah, well, something yeah, that's happened yeah, that's <laughs> with that. Whole, yeah, it's yeah, they didn't I have mean, a backup plan, I guess. Yeah, I guess the backup plan was the drop to come in, which, yeah, you can't fault management for one of the players turning out to be, you know, whatever, but it, it's it's still something that hasn't been addressed now. And you know, we're you know, a week away from the first game, and and to be honest with you, I'm not even 100% sure who we're gonna see. Uh, start on that left back spot I think the rest of the lineup might kind of pick itself or you can kind of guess whatever but you know yeah we the, the back line was was decent good at times last year but you know I would have liked to see maybe some additions come in at least some depth and we didn't see that but going forward I think we're going to be really entertaining really fun to watch and, and I think on the whole I think we should be in for a very successful season if everything goes to plan yeah I think that's mostly the general consensus Adam what is something that worries you going into the season? Is it just the left back? Is there something it's, else that's worrying you? It's left back and it's it's uh do we have a plan for when Mauricio Pereira is not there? 
Mm. Um, now, this is an interesting one because and we will be able to figure that out very quickly. Yes, he's not going to be I, there the first two games. Right. I do want to ask through all the highlights, and this is something I, I put on Twitter through all the highlights. It seems like Loera is actually playing quite a bit. Are you yes. thinking it's that or are you thinking it's something so else? I Maybe have Alvarado? some theories. OK, I have Go some ahead. theories. One is that um, a fair amount of the creative onus will fall on Alexandra Pateau and Nani collectively. Um, mm-hmm. But Pateau, Pateau seems to be playing not as an out and out striker, but kind of like a wishy-washy center forward false nine ish kind of guy who's at times holding up at times making those forward runs. Um, but he's he seemed to be involved a fair bit in the buildup as well as uh, being on the receiving end of crosses and such, at least from what we've been able to see uh, from our preseason scouting process, which is basically whatever highlights Orlando City chooses to put out. <laughs> but, I mean, we saw that dime he had in that preseason game to Benji Michelle. If he's going to be doing some of that, then I think that can make up for the the lack of quality we had essentially when Mauricio was out. Um, I do like David Luera. I think that uh, I've actually had my eye on him for a really long time, um, like years and years, because back when he was actually part of Orlando City's Academy, he was getting like U.S. Youth, youth National Team hype. And he was one of those guys that was like, oh, this guy could be talented enough where he could be like the, the U.S. 10 in the future. Obviously, that's probably not going to happen anymore. However, that doesn't mean he can't be a useful piece for Orlando City. And after a year under Oscar Perea and being with the first team in training, and like he didn't go out on loan, did he? Or did he go to OC? There was no OCB. So he didn't go out on loan. He was with Oscar Perea the, the whole time. I don't think that it's that far-fetched that he could be a, le- a legit uh, backup cam there. Um, and then there's also the theory that at least for the first part of the season, Nani will be more well-rested and he'll be able to take some of that creative onus as well. So I think that's the plan for now. We will see which of those options it really goes to moving ahead. But uh, those are the those are kind of the options I see now. I don't really see Alvarado moving inside. Um, I just don't think that's their plan for him. I think they see him as a winger. Um, and Nani's going to need plenty of rest on that left side anyway. So I, I think they see Alvarado as more when Nani doesn't start, you're going to right here. So. All right, that's fair. Daniel, over to you now. Um, one of my biggest worries uh, is defensive depth overall, not just left back, but also at center back and at right back, um, because we don't have uh, many bodies. So we saw last season when we lose Juan and we lose Moutinho, we are really <coughs> struggling. What do you think we are going to do to combat that both on the right and left side? Because I think in the center, we have just enough to where we can, you know, we have that three rotation and then that fourth option. Um, which was, I believe is uh, Hope Gund, the, the center back stroke left back that we drafted. Uh, what, what do you think is, the, the team is planning on doing? If we lost both those guys at the same time, as we know, um, Martino is, you know, I don't, I don't know if he's available next week. I know he's been pictured in practice or whatever else, but if you lose him and you lose, um, you lose one as well at the same time, which, you know, you're only one injury from doing so, or a red card. Actually, isn't, is one suspended for that game as well? Because he had the red card towards the end of last season. Ooh. I'm just trying to think, because I know he got a red card, didn't he? Um, I think it might have just been a one game. Yeah. I think we have him back. 
And okay. then we, we're missing... But aren't we missing Pereira? And he got the red card. Oh, no, he got the red card in the New England game. Pereira uh, got the red. Um, I yeah, just wasn't or, sure if it was a tackle. And he got an additional suspension off of that, too. So I think Juan just, missing for two. just missed the one game. So I think we have okay. him. Yeah. So what, right, do you yeah. think, what do you think the plan is? The only plan I can think of right now is, is um, honestly, with the squad we have, is, is to move to a back three. Um, play maybe 3-5-2 or 3-4-1-2. And you'll probably see Chris Mueller drop into that right wing back position. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, um, he's played it a little bit before for us, just you know, kind of on the fly when we've needed to to make adjustments in the game. Um, as for the left hand side, I mean that that's really anyone's guess, but uh, sorry, guess, but it's um, I can't see. You can't really see anyone in the at least not a wing back. <laughs> so my my no. guess my guess is either you know they throw Hope Gund into the deep end, mm. or Janssen starts left back. Schlegel starts yeah. with um, Carlos, mm-hmm. and then Smith on the right. That or if we have Juan work. Smith on the left, but that's a, that's again that's a if you know. This but then, is all but then you're looking theoretical. At, yeah, it doesn't just um, affect the team defensively though. It affects us in transition because you know in those in that selection of four you have there, you don't have that width coming up from the back. Oh yeah, you definitely uh, have to alter the the tactics moving so forward. I mean, but he is a capable body. Oh yeah, you can you can play there. Like if you put him there tomorrow, we'd be able to do it. But our game plan would have to change. We'd probably be a little more direct, and we'd probably have to start getting the ball forward a bit more quicker. And um, we'd we'd have to negate the need for for building up play through the midfield a bit because we don't have the support players coming up from the back. So the whole dynamic of the team would change. I mean, it w- it would be in the best interest of the of the club to go out and sign another fullback, maybe someone who can play on both sides. And I'm sure they're probably looking at that if someone comes available. Um, obviously, we've got so many international players right now that the availability of, of guys out there is actually not as not as great as you would think. Because I think we're already at a position where we we need one more international slot for the for the guys we have, and then you're going to have to look in the domestic market as opposed to the international market for another another left back. So. It's it's tricky. I mean, it's it's really the only one thing I could say that's not been not been well cared for. But then you couldn't help, obviously, what happened to the other left back we signed and the stupidity that he showed um, to get himself kicked out of the club. So, I mean, the club did address it. To be fair, it's just you've got that circumstance that's kind of out of left field, you know. Yeah. Now, Chase, have you seen Halliday play before? Is he is he a he's right back right? Yeah, he's a right back. Um, Do you think this could a, be a season where he's at least given a shot to make an impact? Yeah, I think that he'll. I don't believe that he made uh, any appearance last year. I don't think he's made an no. appearance with the first team yet. Um, in fact, even I think Jordan Bender just made his first appearance and been with the first team for a little bit. But I, I think that Michael Halliday will definitely get an appearance here or there, maybe make his full debut, but. I don't know if it would be the first game, and I especially don't know if it would be, you know, on the opposite side of the field that he's typically comfortable with. Um, you know, he scored a goal in preseason, and, uh, you know, he's been at least with the first team playing, kind of maybe getting acclimated a little bit. So he's someone to kind of look at for depth pieces, especially because he, you know, is, is uh, I believe he's he's 17, maybe 18. Like, he was, he was quite young last year, so. I believe he's 18, much. yeah. Yeah, not much was really expected of him. But, you know, as he's been 
training with the first team for a while, I, I would expect him to play a little bit more. Um, but I still probably wouldn't see him as the the starting left back at this, but like for the first game, I'm saying. But um, you know, from the limited OCB exposure I've had, and you know, that wasn't necessarily the most stable environment for a player. I, at least you know you can kind of tell because. I don't know. It never really has been, I guess. But he he's a decent player, and I tend to kind of trust Oscar Pereja. I know that it's kind of like a dumb thing to say. Maybe a little bit of a you know put we can put too much trust in the man, but like we haven't really been able to see too much of him. But you know he's been been with the first team. He's he's had some uh, you know appearances in the preseason, as I said. So he's. Yeah, he's someone that I would expect to see play a little bit this year, but I don't think he's someone that would, you know, get his first start on the opening day or day rather against Atlanta. Like, unfortunately, I wouldn't want to see that. Oh, no. Yeah, definitely yeah. not. Now, Adam, let's go to the opposite side of the pitch. Someone we all know who will probably never put on a purple jersey again is Daryl DK. How do you see our tactics changing with him not in the team and most likely Alexandra Pato leading the line? So we're or it have could to, be Akindele. God, we're going to have to hire but... a, a new accountant to count all that money that we're going to get for him. <laughs> the two million. <laughs> yeah, two, two whole million, right, guys? Yeah. If you ask Barnsley fans, that is. No, that's uh, it's gonna be a nice fifteen twenty million dollar payday we're gonna get for DLDK, and maybe even a sell on after that. Uh, that would be. Can you imagine like fifteen million and like a twenty five sell on? That would be. Oof. oof. Beautiful. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. So just imagine that uh, while you're alone in your bed, you're dreaming. You're yeah. Screaming. Okay. <laughs> and screaming. Uh, as far as tech, so I already touched on this with Pato a bit, but Pato, um, he's clearly not the same style of player as Daryl DK. He's going to want a little bit more room to, to run and work and, and try to pull some more technical moves rather than Daryl DK, who, I mean, if you look at him at, at whatever has, uh, he has unlocked at Barnsley has become a much more technical player. It's kind of scary how much he's improved in the past calendar year. Even it's, but Pato is going to be on a different level technically. Uh, so he's going to more want to play in front of the defense rather than backing up into them trying to make a run or use his body to shield the ball and, and physically get open. So that's going to be just positionally different. Uh, he's also probably going to, because he's going to be holding up the ball further back, he's going to allow the the wingers to make more inverted runs uh, into the channel on either side of him and past him up up the wing and uh, kind of work given goes like that. I can especially see Nani loving that, you know, left hand uh, side of the box, like right outside the box, a little, a uh, little give and go plays right there with Pateau, um, which he likes to do with the left back, but our left back is currently literally a giant question mark. You could put like a foam cut out of a question mark there and yeah. That's about who our left back is. Um, so yeah, those give and goes are going to be with Pato instead of instead of question mark left back slash Moutinho, broken Moutinho. Um, yeah, that's why I say I. I mean, it's not going to be Tesho, is it? There's no way it's Tesho. Uh, Pato's been good in preseason. Pato's been excellent. 
in preseason. A lot only, better than I was expecting. My only worry with Pateau is that like he was broken and he didn't still have it, but he seems to be having fun. He's scoring in preseason. I have no idea why they wouldn't start him. Unless uh, just yeah, it wouldn't make Trey sense. has got that much of a hard on for Tesho. <laughs> I, I know he does, but like, damn, dude, like it's gonna be Pateau. Yeah. So yeah, I think we'll see more of a free throw, free flowing style rather than the kind of service oriented. Just get the ball to Daryl and let him take a shot that we saw towards the end of last season, especially I, with with um, Pereira out. That um. It's going to need to be a lot more combo play, a lot more technical, create your own shot kind of thing. Yeah. Now, obviously, we have become well stocked in the forward department. So, Daniel, this one's aimed at you. Who do you think is going to be having a good season? Who do you think might fall by the wayside out of our four new attackers? IS, Pato, Vanderwater, and Alvarado. <clears throat> what are your thoughts there? Uh, especially since we still obviously have Akindele, Michelle, we have Mueller here. Nani's obviously going to get playing time, and then Pereira's locking down that middle position. How are we going to fit these new guys in, and who's going to do good, who's going to do bad? Yeah, I mean, competition's good, and it's healthy, but, you know, eight does not go into three, you know, and we have to assume that we're going with some kind of three-pronged forward line most of the time. Um, unless you go with a you know a four four two and, and two of the guys are out wide, even then you've still got an abundance of options. Um, it's a great problem to have, but you know my worry is that it's going to imbalance the team just a little bit. Um, I think I think for the way that Orlando want to play, they're likely to go with sort of like a four one two three type of shape. Um, and get that balance between stability and, and creativity and get the space out wide, etc. But um, as for who's going to fall by the wayside, I mean, I mean, Pato, I think, is, is nailed on to start on Saturday. That's almost a given, in my opinion. But then who goes next to him? Um, I don't think we see Benji Michel. I think he's going to be on the bench. Uh, Chris Mueller, most likely, is going to start due to his um, exploits last year. And then I think Nani will get the start. I think that's going to be our, our first forward line. Well, next week. Nani's out, right? Oh, he's out. Is he out? Is he oh, injured? no, Is he's he not. No. I don't think so. So <clears throat> I think that's your first lineup next week. It's going to be Nani, Patton, and Mueller. That's Nani what I had think. a knock that was keeping him out for a few weeks, but he's back. Okay, yeah. He's, he's not going to be content on the bench. And then, you know, I think I like the look of uh, Vanderwater. I mean, I know he's. He's made a lot of people feel very moist this past week with that goal that he got. But he's just gotten here. He's just gotten here. So surely, sh- surely, um, I, I think the the thing that Pereja's going to do is he's going to start off with the the old crew that got us to fourth yeah. place last season, and then slowly get the new guys in. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of that, but I think you know, I don't think that's our best starting front three. Well, that's if the I thing. Say like... it lightly. If you if you're gonna pick best off performance, then Mueller has to be given the opportunity to start. Nani's not gonna be content with having to fight for a place. And to be honest, Pato won't. I mean, I know it's kinda of like a, a little tale of redemption now for Pato, but at the end of the day, he's not coming all the way to America just to sit on the bench and scrap for a minute. He's, he's he wants to play. Um I think that the only way he would have probably come to MLS is if he's told he's going to at least get the chance to start the season so 
to me, the four guys in, in the group right now are going to be Alvarado and Akindalu. I think um, I don't have an issue with either one of them, by the way. I think Akindalu has made some valuable contributions, but he's his place is the one at risk. And Alvarado barely got any minutes last year. And then you, we've, we've not even talked about Ayas yet. And he's another one who's right on the fringes who barely saw any minutes. So, I mean, for the international slot scenario, I would not be surprised at all to see Alvarado or Ayas maybe loaned away for it for the year. And I don't think Akindeli has got much of a... Um, he's not got as, as clear a pathway to the team because you've got Benji Michel as well, who I think will will be looked at more as a striker this this year as opposed to a, a player playing out wide. So, to answer your question, Sakindeli and um, Alvarado for me are the two that we're not going to see that much of initially. Yeah. Now, yeah. now Chase, how, are, how worried are you? Let me word it this way. When players play back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, they catch on form, they... Um, they feel more comfortable. They're they're in shape. They're they make connections on the pitch. That they, they play better, basically, kind of like when you play the same back four every single game. Uh, you know, you you have a good back four, um, sort of thing. How worried are you that we're going to chop and change every single game, and we're not going to get those connections, and maybe those too many players in attack is just going to be, you know, one or two players too many, and then all of a sudden. You know, we're not scoring goals for some reason, even though we're stacked in attack. That makes sense? Uh, yeah, I understand okay. what you're saying. Like, it, it definitely is good to, not even just in the attack or the back line, like you mentioned, like, obviously it's good to have a relatively consistent starting 11 because uh, team chemistry is something that is as important to player ability itself, I, I would say, kind of in, in performing on the field. But, you know, the MLS season is is often pretty arduous and we are going to be in a, a decent amount of competitions this year uh you know hopefully we'll make it deep into the open cup and the league's cup while that's only like a, a single elimination knockout tournament like you know it's it's just going to be more games i guess kind of thrown into the uh, the mix so i think that we're gonna see a need for rotation throughout the season um and i i i think that it would have to kind of take some some type of bust up or something like that for you know the the entire like attacking trio whomever it may be to kind of like fall out of sync I guess you know they're going to be training together they're going to probably have some time when players come off the bench and things like that um it, it might take a little bit at the beginning of the season for players particularly the ones who have just kind of come in recently like Sylvester Vanderwater like Pato has only been here for a preseason um, you know, maybe it'll take some time for those players to kind of get acquainted to playing with one another. But I, I, I think that they're going to be managed well. And, you know, I think that there are some players who are even kind of at the latter end of their career, like Nani and, and, and Pato, even to to a lesser extent. Pato also, you know, struggled with injury. So that's something that could kind of rear its head. So I think that there's just going to be plenty of reason to rotate. And, and you know, I'm not necessarily too worried Um that that is going to have like a negative impact on the team. Like I think having competition, like Daniel always says, it's going to be kind of a healthy thing to, to push us forward. And, um, you know, I think a lot of these players too, to an extent are kind of like a, a like for like exchange, particularly like Chris Mueller and Vanderwater, how, 
you know, they're creative, but they also like to track back. Like we'll see that kind of defensive contribution. And obviously no two players are exactly the same, but um, you know, they're all technically well. A lot of them are decently experienced. And in the case of some of the younger players like Alexander Alvarado, who hasn't had too much time in the professional game, you know, however decent they may be, um, you know, I think that it's it's more so going to be a strength. Like I'm I'm not overly concerned at the prospect of you know chemistry being too big of an issue. I think that the biggest concern, I guess, would be is one player sort of getting frozen out because you know with with this depth, it's if you're not performing, like I don't know how many chances a player is going to be given. Obviously, you don't want to yank someone in any sport after one bad performance, probably. But it's like it's going to be cutthroat and in a good way. You know what I'm saying? Like we are going to have to push every player to be better because they know that there is a very capable backup waiting in the wings. And, you know, I think it's going to, you know, everyone is going to be better for that. In my opinion. All right. Now, Adam, uh, another, this one's really player focused. And I ask you, because I think I know what your answer is going to be, but everyone, everyone who listens to this podcast knows my thoughts on Luis Nani and his performance for the team last season, not just in the last three games, but overall. Do you think it's more going to be more of the same from Nani? Do you think he's going to pick up his game, or do you think he's going to even you know, slow down even more? What are you expecting? Are you, also, are you expecting him to play every, every five or six games and then get a rest and then back straight on the pitch, first name on the team sheet kind of guy? What are you, what are you thinking about Luis Nani this season? Here's the thing. Father Time is undefeated. Throughout the history of sports, Michael Jordan, old. Tom Brady, well, we'll see, but old. I mean, even Tom Brady winning a ring last year, he had probably the best roster in the league in Tampa. I mean, look at that defense, the receivers he had, decent offensive line, and he still showed signs of aging. There were games where Tom Brady looked human last season. Luis Tony right. is not Michael Jordan and Tom Brady. He's He was once an elite borderline world-class player. It, it, it ain't that anymore. So I think that Oscar Pereja realizes this and Oscar Pereja is ultimately the boss. Now Nani will have his starting spot. I think at least at the start of the season, he'll be well-rested. He will be able to do more of the things that he's used to be doing. I think at the start of the season, we'll see him fairly regularly, like, like, three out of every four games or four out of every five games. I think we'll see that at the beginning of the season down the stretch. I think they're going to manage his minutes. And I think uh, Alvarado will be a very key part in that because he's the only other like true, like first team level left winger on, on the team sheet. Uh, so I, I think I disagree with Daniel that Alvarado is going to be left out in the cold because I think he's going to have a very important part to play in both midweek games and down the stretch where we need Luis Donnie to be fresh because ultimately if this is going to be a championship team, whether it it's shield MLS cup, open cup, what leagues cup, whatever, if they're going to win a championship of some sort, Luis Donnie is going to have to be a part of that just because of his quality. And he still has that quality. We've seen him produce spectacular moments. He needs to not be selfish is the thing. And he needs to realize that there are other players on the team that can match his at least his, how old is he? Thirty-four now. He's thirty-four. 30, yeah, at least the twenty whatever 
year old version of them can match 30 or 4 year old him in quality. I mean, selfishness even, is his has been his games it his has. play style this his whole career. That's not going to change. And we're going to need Oscar Preha to manage that out of him. He's not going to. He's not. We can I, say we need him to. He's, I agree he's with going, that. He's going, he's going to need to. to share. He shares the ball with Pereira and he shares the ball with Pato. Or he's going to share the ball with Pato. I think Pato will and just have enough respect. He'll share it with Mueller. I think now he will. But yeah. he was hesitant to at the beginning of last year. But not, now he'll share with Mueller. Tesho. He would like never pass to him. Oh, yeah. But Tesho's not going to play. I think... I. Not I think. I hope IS is above Tesho on the team sheet. Real quick, I hope so what too. I would do in this first game, I would go IS and Pateau, and I just wouldn't play a cam. I would I would have Pateau be like a false nine second striker kind of guy and have Pateau be like the center or not Pateau. IS be the center forward. Do and see you how think four four two could be our tactic moving forward? No. In general. And Mauricio Pereira. Mauricio Pereira is gonna be a, a center mid, but um I, I would still go four three three with Pereira in the center uh, for our our regular tactics, but um, or four two three one, however you want to look at it. Right. Um, but I four games Pereira doesn't play. I would really look at having Pateau be like kind of a more second striker, creative flow kind of guy rather than playing center forward. And I think I I S is kind of the from what we've seen him is the perfect mold of kind of just. I'm going to be in position. I'm going to put the shot on target and I'm going to make more of them than I miss kind of guy. So that, that could work. Uh, back to what I was saying, as far as Nani goes, I think that it's really the test of Oscar Pereja. Is he going to have the strength to manage the team to where it needs to be to win a championship? Or is he going to give into a star player? And I really hope, I think, and I hope that Oscar Pereja is the kind of guy that he's going to be able to manage that ego which is really what he's going to need to do to win the championship this season. Because it's not just going to be Nani's ego. It's going to be Vanderwater's ego. It's going to be Mueller's ego. It's going to be Alvarado's ego. It's going to be IS's ego. It's going to be Benji's ego. It's going to be everyone in that front three-ish is going to be competing for playing time. And not everyone's going to get it. And how how Oscar Pereja manages that will determine whether this is a top-of-the-league team or whether it's going to be a disappointing middle-of-the-table finish. Uh, Daniel, are you back yet? I will take that as a no. Chase, this one goes to you, buddy. Um, midfield, let's let's move into the midfield. Uh, a player that, again, if you listen to the podcast, everyone knows just this time that I love him, one of my favorite players on the squad right now, Andres Perea. Do you think he's going to see even more minutes? Obviously, I think he played in almost every single game last season, but off the bench and in more of an attacking mid role than what we were expecting. Uh, as I would say, he's more of a, a eight or even a six sometimes. Do you think he's going to play a lot more of an important role, more of a starting role, or do you think he's still going to be behind Mendez and Rossell and, and, and even Urso in the pecking order? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that he should be trusted to start more games and, and, you know, get more time rather than just coming off the bench. Uh, I still think right now, like, uh, I don't know, like probably a full strength 11 might not have him on the field, but I certainly don't think he is that far off. I think that he's probably in my estimation, at least kind of jumped over, um, 
Yuri in the pecking order, and then you can kind of look at Sebas. Really? And, and, and yeah, honestly. So I the reason I ask is because Yuri Rossell injured almost the whole season, and our first game of the playoffs, Yuri's back, hasn't had a single minute on the field, and Yuri's thrown right in instead of Perea. Yeah. That's why I asked, I, do you think he's over Yuri? I think, like, the reason that, you know, I would probably rate Andreas Perea higher than Yuri right I now. Would I think. Too. Yeah, I think I think Andreas he's I think Yuri maybe has a better kind of range of passing, if you will. But I think Andreas is still pretty decent in that department and he can cover a lot of ground and you know he's pretty quick on the half turn and, and, and stuff like that. Like he's 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 a very good, more com I don't want to say more complete, but he's kind of more of a jack of all trades, I guess, of Yuri Rossell, which is I kind of like those types of players. Um but I can't I can't understand why Yuri did get the start because you know, maybe if you're looking at playoffs and, and that's a huge game, you might go with somebody who has been in a moment like that before because Andreas, you know, he was just kind of a teenager. You don't know if, if maybe, I don't know, the moment might be too big for him. I don't like, I'm not trying to, you know, take a dig at him, I guess, but it's, it's something that maybe he just, Oscar, I'm saying, wants to kind of go with the sure hand. But I think that it would just make more sense to kind of start giving Andreas some more time. Uh, on the field because, you know, he is certainly a younger player. I think that he is someone who has, you know, a, a big potential and can can certainly work his way into being a starter, even over the course of this year, rather than, you know, just in the future, whenever that may be. Um, I, I, I like his, his technical ability as a player. I like his defensive contributions. And, and I like that he is kind of relatively versatile, whether you want to play him at the base of the midfield or if you want to play him as an eight Um and, and, you know, like I said, I don't necessarily see him probably as, uh, you know, one of the three in our three-man midfield, but I don't necessarily think that he is too far off. And I think that if we do look to rotate uh, a little bit throughout the season, I think he would be closer to, well, like one of the first names that you would kind of look into bringing in, you know. Uh, I don't know. Now that, now that I think about it, I mean, I don't know precisely what I think would be the starting three-man midfield this year. I, well, I think surely that, it's I, – I think it might be Urso, Mendez, and Yuri. Yeah. Or yeah. Um, Pereira. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I, know what you mean. Um, I, I think that the one that I am a little bit questionable, questionable excuse me, about is the one that's going to sit at the base of midfield. Um, you know, and I know that Adam loves Sebas Mendez, and, and you know, I, I think he's a, quite a decent player as well. But I don't know. I mean, I don't think Andreas is necessarily too far off. And not to write off Yuri, I think that he's certainly a quality player and a very tidy player. But I just, I would like to see more of a younger player who is, you know, entering his 20s kind of, you know, getting a shot because he's someone who proved over time and time again this season. I can't necessarily think of a performance that was overly bad of him or bad by him. And, and I think that he's improved as the season gone, has gone on. And that's kind of all that you can ask. Um, and, you know, he's worked his way into the U.S. men's national team picture and stuff like that. And, and that's neither here nor there. But, yeah, I, I think that he first off, I think that he deserves to play more. And I, I don't think, you know, that's not really necessarily a controversial take. I think that he's shown that he is good enough for this level, having not really played too much of professional soccer before coming here. Uh, he's adapted to it very well. And I think that he's, you know, in a position where we have some decent depth all throughout the midfield, particularly at the base. You know, there are you know, three solid players, like you mentioned, and even Joey Desart is pretty decent. We just signed another homegrown player who can play as a defensive midfielder. Um, not that he's, you know, necessarily fighting for minutes right away, but uh, I, if, if I look at all of them, I would say that 
you know, maybe Andreas would offer the most, you know, if that makes sense. He's, he's, he's a tidy player in his own right. And, you know, it's a reason that people are even looking at him as kind of the backup six long term for the U.S. men's national team because he covers a lot of ground. He, he puts in a lot of defensive work and he's, he's really good on the ball and, and can advance the ball forward. Um, so, yeah, I, to answer your question, I, I, I think that we are going to see him a lot more than we did this season, hopefully starting more games rather than just coming off the bench. And I think that he's definitely deserved it. Yeah, and when you look at the players we have, it's nice to look at the the three we have and say, yeah, we have choices based on opposition. So we yeah. have Yuri, who can control the ball a lot better than than Mendez or Perea can and, and make those long passes and, and, you know, just more technically sound, maybe not fast. Yeah, like, we all wish he could be a little bit faster, but we have that technical player. You then have Mendez, who can go in there, run around, buzz around, and destroy, uh, make tackles, stop breaks, stuff like that, but not as technically sound as Rossell. To me, Perea is a combination of the both of them. And he, yes, he's young, but he's very calm. He rarely makes mistakes with the ball at his feet. Um, very confident as well. I think he's the perfect balance between the two of them. And for me, he should be our starter. I think he should be not number one name on the team sheet, but in the in the pecking order, number one. So Daniel, now that you are back, what are your thoughts on that midfield trio, Perea, Mendez, and Rossell? Are they fighting for one spot, or are they uh, are they going to play together a lot more? I think they'll play together. I think um, I think we'll see a fully fit Yuri Rossell. I think he'll play at the tip. You know, but I say the tip. I mean, it's not really the tip. It's kind of like the the bottom of that base, you know, um, like an inverted tip, I guess. Um, fucking knows what that is. <laughs> the, the butt. <laughs> the butt. He's going to be at the butt of the uh, the butt the of the midfield. He's going to be the Florida of the midfield. Let's put it that way. There you go. <laughs> so, okay. So he's going to be at the ass end of the midfield. He's going to do the, the dirty work, the elephant carrier job, and he'll distribute the ball. I think that fully fit, he's probably going to be the guy that plays. Um, I think what you will see is you'll see Pereira play as as one of the eights with a little bit more license to to get forward. And then you're going to see Urso or Pereira as the other eight. And their, their job's going to be to push and press whoever their defensive midfielder or, you know, maybe even to press the centre-backs, depending on the opposition who we're playing against. Um, I read some stuff about pressing this week, which was really interesting, and and I think it's relevant because you know you play with a defense and you'll have one striker pressing, you know, pressing the defense, and it's usually like a what you call like a minus one system where the striker will press like the centre backs or one of the centre backs, and I think you'll see Erso or Perea probably join that that pressing as well, maybe at the number six or whatever of the other team, so. There's only them two guys in the squad that can really do that job effectively. So, by by a lot of averages and the amount of games that there's going to be over the season, you, you're going to see Russell and Perea in the same team quite a bit, I would think. All right, Daniel, and then you're going to get this one as well. Uh, is Russell going to have... Ooh. I have one more point on the midfield. Yeah, go ahead. So, as far as our midfield goes, I think we can separate out the players we have there. So the four main guys are Uri, Perea, uh, Ursto, and Mendez. 
Um, obviously not counting Mauricio Pereira's cam spot, which he has a lock hold depth grip on that will never be released until he dies. Um, or, uh, is suspended on a red card coincidentally, right? (laughs) Funny how that happens. Anyway, so we got Urso and Uri who are descending players and Mendez and Pereira who are ascending players because of their ages. It's funny how sometimes we forget that and we're, we're discussing these guys. And I think this discussion on Perea has advanced a little bit, but not Mendez, even though Mendez is still quite young himself. And we're framing it almost as if they're the same guys they they were last year, and they are not. We're going to see Uri's going to be a little slower uh, and maybe not recover from injury or, or like a knock in training midweek as well. And Urso, same thing. He's not going to have the explosion that he he sometimes lacked. We saw Urso get tired a lot last year because he was asked to play so much, particularly with Uri getting injured. But that's going to be even worse this year. On the other end of the scale, Perea and Mendez have another year of playing under their belt, a year under Pereja, who I know is trying to develop them because they are talented young players. I would I would bet not an insignificant amount of money. Well, no, that would be dumb. I don't bet that much. But if I were a betting man, I would bet a not insignificant amount of money. That by the end of the year, assuming we're going through with a midfield trio, including Pereira at Cam, so really just a double pivot in like the central midfield, I would say it's going to be Mendez Perea and playing together, kind of locked in going to the playoffs. Because it was kind of close last year. Perea was a step below because he just hadn't had that much experience. But it was kind of close between Urso, Uri, and Mendez last year. If Mendez is the player that we that I think he is and we all hope he is, then he's gotten better. And he's shored up some of those holes in his game. He's cleaned up. He's not going to make as many stupid decisions. And he still has to make some of them because he's a fun player and that's what they do. But not as many. He's going to be smarter with how he tackles. He's going to be smarter with when he tries to play tricky, like little back heels and stuff. And he's going to do it when he's up the field and not in his own defensive third. And... Uh, and he's going to be a player that you're going to really want to have on the pitch week in, week out. And Perea is hopefully going to show... I mean, Perea is... He, as, for as young as he, he is, he was a very, very solid guy who didn't make a lot of mistakes. You kind of want to see a little more freedom from him. So I'm hoping they like rub off on each other and they develop in their games. They balance each other well. I could see them as such a good partnership there. And if they're both developing... You could do a whole lot worse as a guy who can just step in than than Uri Rossell or Junior Urso. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's pretty much the ideal starter backup situation right there um, as we progress in this year. So I'm glad you did bring up Mendez. That's exactly where I was going to ask Daniel. Um, because for me, Adam, Mendez, at this point last season, I was expecting Mendez to have a better year than he had. Uh, in all honesty, I was expecting him to to kind of be one of those first name on the team sheet type of players. And he just never really had that impact. Uh, so, Daniel, I wanted to ask you, do you think he's going to ascend to those levels that Adam was, were ta- was talking about uh, starting next to Perea or, or, or Rossell or Urso or whoever? Do you think he's going to finally kind of explode a little bit? 
have a more well-rounded game, or do you think he's still going to show signs of, eh, he's not exactly what we need? Like, I think if Mendez was 28 and, and we had him at 28, then he'd be perfect because he would have gone through those growing pains. But right now he's only 23. Um, what, what do you think about that? I'm not sure about Mendes. Um, you know, I'm sure I'll get told to go to OBT with this, but you know, if, if we got a good offer for him, I would take it. To be honest, uh, there's too many question marks over Mendes for me. Um, he's not my type of midfielder. Like, I'm not quite sure what he does well. You know, and I, I, I think if... he tackles and defend like pressures well. He does, but can he do like, that? In, he... he wins his midfield. I, I can battles. answer. I can answer that question. That's fair enough, but. You know, let me let's put it this way: If he plays as a six, is he good enough and strong enough and mature enough to hold the six? I don't think he's a six. Well I enough? think he's I think he's a, a straight eight, mm-hmm. and he is a player who's extremely good in short areas. In he's good, spaces. but he's good, but he has he doesn't have the end product for me to play in the eight position. Like I feel like if you if you're going to play as an eight, you've got to be able to progress the ball forward. You've got well, to be yeah, able to use that's it. obviously what he's got to get better at. Exactly, but I just don't, I don't think he's got the range. Uh, and I've seen him even last season. He was still making, you know, some pretty um, erroneous passes and and stepovers and things in crucial areas where he would give up possession. And I just think, like you know, and especially in a in a in a salary cap league with with international slots and all these other dynamics that you know you're looking at. Well, if you got a good offer for one player and it was Mendes, where I think we could we could get by without Mendes. I think we'd have enough in the squad to, you know, to still build a good team around him. So uh, without him, so uh, you're right. That's, yeah, that's 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 my take on Mendes. I just don't think he's as good as everybody thinks. That's just I don't mean that in a well, harsh way. You're half just, right. <laughs> I, I, I just don't. I just don't think he's the man. I don't think he's the answer. You know. And if I'm proven wrong, then great. I'd, I'd love to be proven wrong. I'm not going to condemn the player, but right now, I just don't think he's. I don't I see it, the set role for him. Yeah. That's it. I partly, yeah. I, I mostly agree with Daniel Adam. Just last year, I was high. At this point in time, last year, I was higher than on Mendez than I am at this point in time this year. If that makes sense. I just think it's it's a little silly to write off someone improving at age twenty three, and that's that's the age that like that's a in terms of the NFL that's a rookie going into their sophomore campaign or some guys in their rookie season like. I know soccer, the, the, the clock starts ticking younger. Like, okay, when are you going to show? But still, he's only 23 guys. Like he can, and all these things that we're talking about him needing to develop, they are teachable things. His vision's there because we see him try incredible things. He just doesn't know exactly when to try them, but he sometimes pulls them off. So it's, it's all, it's the decision-making that really needs to get, to get better for him. Cause I think the talent's all there. And I, I don't know. I just, I don't need, I know he got in those positions last year and people are like, Oh, when's Mendes going to score? I don't need my, I don't need my central midfielders to score. We have so many attackers. Why are we worried about if he scores? Yeah. Goals so, are not the concern for me. It's, it's yeah. when he gets the ball, is it, can he, can he hold the ball? Can he turn quick enough? The, can he, can he play the it? The more he gets that opportunity, the more he's going to be comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. He started playing more because remember he was being played as a six. And I told you, I don't think that's his game. Mm -hmm. Then when he got moved to the eight last year, that's when we saw him get in those more advanced positions. He wasn't comfortable in them because he hadn't played in them. 
because that's not the position he was playing. But we saw him get in those advanced positions and have those scoring opportunities. He just didn't know what to do with the ball. So Remember that game he's... where he missed like six, he, five yeah, or yeah. six chances? Oh, that was so frustrating. It was it was bad, but like if you look at that as a learning opportunity rather than oh Stabos fucked up at age twenty two, then it's not a bad thing to get into those is. positions. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And of course, Daniel, if we got a solid offer for him, it would be bad business not to take it with how stacked the team is. If you can adequately replace a player and you get a solid offer for him, you take it. Duh. But I don't see that offer coming in, and I think he could be really good for us. So that's what I'm that's where I'm leaning. Chase, any take on this? Yeah, I think that maybe I don't necessarily personally agree that he would be better suited as an eight because I think that there are some attacking qualities that you would maybe want in kind of a box-to-box midfielder that he doesn't exhibit. I think that where he would be best is kind of like in a double pivot as maybe the defensive midfielder or the holding mid like expected to do a lot of the defensive contribution and then another one who's really good at progressing the ball and getting forward or not getting forward but getting the ball forward, you know what I mean, kind of spraying it out wide. Which so maybe that's Perea? <laughs> or Ursa. Yeah. I so I was thinking that like maybe that's something that we could try kind of like a double pivot with maybe even Andreas and and Sebas. I don't know if that would be too much. I don't want to say pressure, but you know, they're they're not they haven't really like been in that role before. I don't know if that would be something that we'd be hesitant to try, I guess. But I think maybe like if there is another player that steps up as the 10 and we wanted to try to play, I don't know, Mauricio Pereira as that kind of like I don't know, like Frankie De Jong, Mar- Mar- Marco Verratti, excuse me, uh, type of holding midfielder that can get forward a little bit and can can spray the ball out wide and can get attack started. And also, like, you know, Mauricio is, is a really good presser and he's good at intercepting and disrupting play. But, you know, that kind of hampers a lot of our creativity going forward when he really is our, our best kind of attacking player in terms of, of setting up others and starting attacks and, you know, he always gets those kind of passes before the assist, if you will, those MLS assists. Um, so, yeah, like if if we are just going to be playing this kind of 4-3-3 with one holding mid and then, you know, an 8 and a 10 on either side, uh, you know, maybe even like a, I don't know if Mauricio is an out-and-out 10. He's more of like a 8 come 10, I guess, if that makes sense, because he still has a decent amount of defensive responsibility. But like if we are just going to be expecting a player to – in possession, get the ball and look forward and, and, and push the ball forward. I think that maybe that's just not Sebas' strength personally, but, uh, you know, I think the reason that we all kind of look upon him very favorably is he is like a decent player, obviously, right now. And it's very clear that he is, he has the ability maybe to to even be like a very good player, like a five or six million dollar transfer out to a European team, which apparently we've already received an offer like that in, in the past. But, you know, that type of player. And, you know, I can understand where someone might think like he hasn't come along like you would expect, but I can also understand that, you know, it's a little bit harsh to judge a player like that who hasn't been able to get a consistent, overly consistent run of games. And, you know, they're still really in such an early stage of their career, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough. And, you know, I wouldn't be against letting him go if there was an offer that came in that was good money. Yeah, it's definitely a hard one because, again, like Adam says, you know, he could improve or he could stagnate, like I say. And I'm not saying he's going to stagnate, I guess. I just think that I don't see the improving 
coming to a degree where he is um, starter starter level every game, can't drop him. I do think what the nice thing is about our midfield is, is that when they are all healthy, we have plenty of well-rounded options to where we can pick and choose who we want to play based on the the play style that we want to play that game. So if one game we want to start Perea and Urso because of their contributions and, and their play styles, we can do that. If another game we want to start Rossell and Mendez or Rossell and Perea or Urso and Mendez, like it, it's very flexible in that midfield four, and I, I do really like that. And of course, we have Pereira, who is extremely flexible no matter what uh, play style we're playing. Daniel, I'm going to start with you moving ahead to look at the Atlanta United game coming up a week or six days from now. How are you feeling about that game? Are, are you nervous after seeing them have a, have a good result in the CCL? Or are you thinking that uh, you're a little bit more confident than, than some people? I think the game's going to be, it's going to be a, a tough and, and very hotly contested game because... Atlanta was the was like a you know like a diet version of themselves last last season. You know, I think um, they had a lot of turmoil and, and everything going on, which you know in Orlando we know very well that can really screw you up behind the scenes. So they're going to have a point to prove. You know, they're going to have a lot of pride to play for, and and in their opinion, a Scott settle. Um, I think they've got a very good coach in in Gabriel Hense. I think he's. He's, he's a coach that's going to have a good career and he plays a, a very progressive and aggressive style of play. So it's going to be a very different Atlanta that Orlando plays against. And I, I think Orlando are probably favourites to win. And I think that Orlando is definitely going to, going to get on the board and they're going to score. I think the game's got a draw written all over it. I don't know why. I just have that gut feeling that it's going to be a, a fairly tight game, maybe like a 1-1, a 0-0. But Atlanta's not going to come down here and, and just lie down and and get beat again, not not that easily. So rivalries are good, and having your teams out, you know, again, I'll probably get sent back to OBT. I've just walked back after my Mendes take, and now I'm going to get sent back again. But Atlanta is a good team, and you need healthy teams in every area of this country. If this game's going to grow, then you want your rivals to be strong. You need those rivalries to be good and competitive and a bit back and forth, you know? And personally, I'm, I'm glad that our, our closest rivals have strengthened. I think it's going to be just make for a very good games to watch, and it's going to push Orlando to do more. And that's, you know, I'm expecting a, a very fierce game. And like I say, it'll be a close game. That's, that's I don't think it's as easy as Orlando think, fans think it might be. And I know some of oh, no. Um, no, some are very kind of getting a bit silly with with things they're saying. You know, the way Atlanta play, if they can if they can get that style. You know, down and they can get it right. They're going to be tough to play against. We saw how good they were a couple of years back when they did it. And you know, it's hard for teams to live with, you know, constant pressing and and um, you know, quick movement of the ball. And this is this is where you start seeing the, you know, the MLS get compared to other leagues again. And you start looking at how, you know, how teams can cut you apart. San Jose is a perfect example of this. You know, on both sides of the coin. San Jose can get beaten 5-0 one game, but then they'll beat someone 6-0 the next. And they play a very similar style, and it's becoming the new thing now. And Orlando will have to be, you know, 
at the races and switched on. And I do think our defence is, is a little bit of a concern for this particular game. Just that we don't know who's going to line up at left back and we've been leaking a fair few in pre-season. So it's going to be it's going to be close. You know, if you want a prediction, I'll go with 1-1 and it'll be a close game. Yeah, I'm 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 with you. I'm with you there. I think that Atlanta have improved massively. Um, one thing I've I've always bemoaned is, like you know, when you have a bad season, when you mm-hmm. have a bad group of players come in, you know, the rich owners can just turn it around just like that. You get rid of everybody, you bring in five new players who are high quality, and the next season you're right back on track. Orlando but- City, you think of 2018, we brought in five or six really, really poor players. It's taken us two years to get mm-hmm. back on track minimum. You know, obviously we finally got in the playoffs with the new coach. It took a coaching change or a couple coaching changes. I mean, we had to take time to do it. They brought in a good coach. They've spent loads of money on, on quality players and they're back in the, you know, playoff conversation again, just like that. It's just frustrating. Yeah, I mean, for me. I'm looking at it. I mean, you know, they've, They've spent some money, but it's not like they've taken 15, 20 million on, on one player, you know, like they've, I think. No, they've but signed, they've, def- they've definitely spent more they've than spend money, but, most you know, teams I, spend in a transfer window. I had this discussion in, on Twitter with someone um, this week and, you know, and I made the argument again that I feel clubs should be allowed to spend whatever they want. Like, you know, they, they should be, yes. If you're if you're an owner and you've put four hundred million into a stadium and into a team, and you want to make that product better, then you, by all intents and purposes, you should be allowed to. I, I don't agree with the issue that's going on in Miami. There's me going back to LBT for a third time. I think the situation in Miami is absolutely absurd. I mean, if you want to here's why you're that, wrong. Well, fair enough, but you you're know, wrong. I'm not I'm not a fan of of a league making it easier for the poor teams by making parity i'm sorry but you know how can you as a nation expect to be a competitive soccer league if you don't allow people to get stronger like it's like because MLS bringing... is one of the only profitable leagues in the world right but it's not a, is it a sport or a business again it's a business it's, yeah well that's why usa is never going to be in the top level because yeah. it's got to treat it like a sport and and the thing yeah, is is fine. that you know You've got you're bringing players like Matuidi and and Higuain, who are good players who've got big reputations. That's going to make the league better. You should be allowed to bring those players in, and not have this all fast with the DP spots and everything else. I so, mean, that's that's what the DP rule is for. Which I'm actually a fan of all the stupid rules MLS have, which you, uh, discovery rights to take, for example, dumb rule. Yeah, but, they should get rid of it. DP is a fantastic rule. It's a good because. role, but it's um, but there should be some. There needs to be some changes. The role is pretty much the same as it's well, been now for how many years, you know? Well, they keep adding slots to grow with the league. If, they, if we were still at one DP slot, like it was when they created the rule for the Galaxy to sign David Beckham, then yes, I would say okay, we need to be, you know, moving forward. Three DPS is about what most team, the baseline of what pretty much every team can afford. Like how we're not even using one of them, but we spend like TAM level money on a bunch of players. Mm-hmm. So it's fine. But three DPS is about the baseline of what every team can afford. They are creating sustainable growth in the league that is financially sound and will allow every team in the league to remain profitable. So they won't fold any of them, or at least well, 
they won't fold any reasonably successful ones. Obviously, like Chivas USA was a huge flop and they folded whatever. But and then you had the the few like the like um, Miami Fusion and in Tampa, Tampa. meeting at That's the, the beginning thing, of the league. That was a new league. <clears throat> the league is the league is trying to create sustainable growth and without having the top spenders in league outstrip the competition because American fans will very, very quickly lose interest in a team that has no shot at winning. It's, it's not like in the UK where your, your team, like Daniel, you and you and Leeds, perfect example. You are Leeds. It's in your blood. You eat, breathe, sleep Leeds. You will never leave them no matter how many games they lose in a row. Orlando city doesn't have that luxury. It's Mm -hmm. the club's 10 years old. You know, they, they, they don't have that fan base. No team in MLS has that fan base. Not even the galaxy with five championships. They have a ton of fair weather fans. It's, it's LA. If the galaxy were to suck for another five years, they would be pretty miserable in order to keep, in order to keep the league afloat. You need to have every team be relatively able to compete while still having that growth. Like the young money rule, fantastic rule, allows teams to bring in that, that young talent that MLS is building. And you can see the sustainable growth. Look at Orlando City's team now, or not even Orlando City. Look at, say, Colorado's team now and compare it to Colorado in 2014. I don't even know any players on any of those rosters off the top of my head. I guarantee you this year's team would kick that 2014 team's ass just because the talent in the league is that much higher and it's noticeable over five year span because they're doing it at a consistent, sustainable growth rate without having the three or four teams that can outspend everyone else just win every single trophy every year. Just I think it's a better Adam, sporting product think, for it. I think Dylan Powers was rookie of the year in 2014 with Colorado. <laughs> I think that's, is that's that right? funny. <laughs> that's funny and perfectly illustrates my point. <laughs> Yeah, Hold on, I gotta look this up. Dylan Powers, rookie of the year. <laughs> yeah, the I only, think that was the year. The caveat I have to say, Adam, is I'm not saying let every team go out and buy 11 DPs. I'm just saying that the rules have to be. Well, that's got to that be some what, modification. That is what you're saying, though. The, if you're no, saying that every not. every team should be able to spend what they want to spend, I think there if have, you there if have you can to bring be in if you can bring in a World Cup winning midfield player and that player wants to come, you should be allowed to do it. The league support and they, the and league, they can. The and league has can, a say in and they that. Did. The issue with they Pellegrini, have three, they have three DP slots to do it with. Right, but the issue with Pellegrini is that you know you've got a player here that was spent what six on seven million dollars to bring in. So they already spent their money. They but, could have spent that money on Matuidi, and they they waited until it was too late. Now now they got to sell Pellegrini over it. I still think it's they're not selling him; they're trading him. It's just stupid. Like it it says a lot to a foreign player that might want to come here, a young foreign player. That they could get, they could be moved around. He's gonna. I've just read that he's he's gonna be going to Montreal. I mean, yeah, he's getting booted to Canada. So it's like, all right. So they're gonna bring me over. I've got to immerse myself in this new country. I've got to learn a language. I've got to do this, and then I could just get booted to, you know, bloody Canada or somewhere. You know, like it's it's not a good look for the league, and the show it has to not. be. There needs to be some kind of like if you're gonna have all these roles, because I know that, you know, I know I've lived in America long enough. Now you guys need to be told how to queue in a line. I know you need all these roles, so if you're going to have these roles, you've got to do something with them, tweak them a little bit, just so that 
you can allow clubs to grow a bit more. I just think I mean, it's bad that I I think we'll see the fourth DP slot sooner rather than later because mm-hmm. this is now the third time I believe a team has had an issue with this. I think I think within the next two years we see another DP slot add on. But the so. larger point is, if this one situation we're going to keep young players from wanting to come in MLS, I would agree with you more. But I don't think it is because we keep seeing every transfer window more and more young talent keeps coming here. So I get it. I get it. But it's just, I, think I think the league's doing just fine in in that respect. Yeah, it's fair enough. I mean, if that's if that's your opinion, you take that. But that's um, I still think it's you know you, you should you should be. I I don't think it's as progressive as it needs to be. Let's just put it that way. I'm not saying fill it with eleven DPS. I'm just saying there's ways they can. I think there's other ways they can improve the league. You can bring good players in, but you can impose some restrictions on how many, you know, for example, you can put a a number on how many Americans you need to include in your match day squad. There's nothing like that right now. There should be. If you want American players to play, you need to be doing stuff like that. Uh, they have it everywhere else. Um, you know, increase the salary cap a little more. I don't know. It's it's just, I feel like it's MLS is kind of lagging behind a little bit in its squad building and there's just a few too many roles. Sometimes you just got to let people play. And, and if other teams want to be in the mix to compete and to do well, they need to, to put their money on the table and, and to do it. You know, if you, you've no business sitting on a, an MLS team, in my opinion, charging fans $12 for a beer and $7 for a hot dog and $150 for a jersey as long on top of their match day tickets, but not spend any money on your team. You, you should... You know, that should be on a scale. Those owners should invest if they want to be ambitious enough and make their teams better as well. Well, I will say, Daniel, we would be rock bottom if <laughs> everyone was allowed to invest the way their owners want them to. Exactly. Yeah, I, yeah, I personally don't want Orlando City to lose every game every season. Well, fair I agree Honestly. with that take, Adam. <laughs> well, because that's exact. we would never beat Atlanta ever again. Or New York City. We would never beat them again. It just wouldn't happen. On a sporting level, you're correct, Adam. On a business level, league-wide, I agree with Daniel. Basically, is what I'm saying. uh, Is is what I think about this situation. Uh, Let's step away from that, though, and look back at the Atlanta United game in itself. So, Chase, you've been sitting there silent waiting to talk yes listening (laughs) um you know you look around their squad obviously like i was saying they've built it really really well i think this season and they had a really good performance in the Concacaf champions league how are you feeling about the game um how do you think we're going to line up um and do you think we will win uh so i can't personally find anything about Juan maybe not being available for this game uh, I think he just had a one-game suspension. Like I looked at a lot of the MLS disciplinary committee, and it didn't say he got an extra one from his, uh, you know, not great tackle or not tackle, but kick out action, I guess. Yeah, versus yeah. Uh, NYCFC. So I think he should be available, and then I think we'll probably just see Tyler Smith on the left side. Um, but and then you know the traditional center backs, goalkeeper, and then whomever at the base of the midfield. But I think that Atlanta is there's like a lot of question marks, I guess, around their squad, because I do agree that they have built like a very, you know, decent team again, not necessarily, you know, they're not going to be the 
I don't think they'll be challenging to the shield or anything like that. And I think that some people are kind of overrating them, but they still have some very decent players. You know, they've um, brought in uh, two defensive midfielders, Sosa from Argentina. Both um, They're both under 20 Argentinian internationals. One of them played in the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, and uh, Alan, they brought in Alan Franco, a center back who, you know, if he comes in and, and plays very well, he's someone that could be kind of like a, Gonzalez Perez was for them in their MLS Cup winning season, or, or maybe even better. Um, he's a DP as well, right? Yeah, he's a designated player center back. I think that's, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's not the first one, but it's, you know, a little bit of, it's a trend that's that I hope rare. continue. Yeah, I would like to see more teams kind of go in that direction. But, uh, you know, I think that there there are some good players there. I think George Bello is going to, you know, step up this year. And, there, and there's there's talent, you know, in abundance, whether or not they're able to kind of get it. Uh, to translate on onto the field because you know they weren't last year even though Josef was out for most of the season and you know I don't know how he's going to be if he's even going to start in this first game back um, you know like Ezekiel Barco they've got uh, Marcelino and, and 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 players like that and I, I think that they were all kind of held back in all honesty by Frank DeBoer last year um, you know we know firsthand how much kind of a manager can hold players back but um, I think that full strength side I think it would be a very good game um, I think that we're a little bit more of a cohesive unit right now and um, I think that they are kind of a new team getting put together whether the, whether or not they take the field and, and you know they play like you know they've been together for a while and, and, and Gabriel Heiser hasn't firing on all, all cylinders it's certainly going to be an interesting game I just I'm really concerned with how we're going to play without Mauricio um, I know that we're saying like a lot of the uh, creative onus, excuse me, is going to fall on, um, you know, Nani and stuff like that. And I think you could even make kind of the same points about, about, you know, our team. We, we have a lot of new players, particularly in the attacking end coming in and, and whether or not Pato is going to come in and, and start playing well, because we don't have our, you know, starting number nine from last season, obviously Daryl, which, you know, that's not through anyone's fault, but, uh, it's, it's, I don't, I, I would agree that it's, it's not something as assured as, you know, an instant victory in the first week, particularly because we're going to be without our probably most important player, in my opinion. Um, Atlanta looked pretty good in their first game, and they got a really good result away at a Central American opponent, and it, particularly, you know, Costa Rican teams. But really, any away game in the CONCACAF Champions League is not an easy fixture, and I think that they looked really, really solid, and, and they got a quality result, and they'll maybe be looking to kind of ride that back. But... uh and, you know, they've they've already played, you know, it's only one game, but they've already played a competitive game in the season and, and, and things of that nature. I don't know if that's going to play into their advantage, but I, I don't know. I don't know what they're even going to line up with. I know Alan Franco and, and Marcelino didn't even travel, I don't think, to Costa Rica or they weren't in the match day squad. So I don't know what's up with that, but uh, I think that, Franco's very new. I don't think he'll be starting. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that he 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 definitely wasn't even in the match day squad, and and you know I think that he was only kind of made permanent recently. I don't know if it was in the last week or what. Like I know yeah. that he's it's kind of been coming, but I don't know when he uh you know was able to start training with the team or or whatever. And if that's the case, and they start Miles Robinson and Anton Walks, I don't really think Anton Walks is that great, particularly because he's playing on the left side, and you know he's honestly a right back traditionally and, and he's just kind of been recently moved into the into the center um and, and miles robinson is a good player and stuff like that but 
it's it's something that I'm not hesitant, but I I'm not as certain that we're going to come out the victors, and and I don't know if that is also going to uh, make me. I, you know, I hope I uh, I look stupid, I guess, basically, and, and we run out with a, a three nil victory. But it's just we've struggled without Mauricio before. You know, when he was out, we just we looked like we lost our best player, which obviously we did. And you know, I hope that somebody steps up and and changes that. And and you know, I think maybe we can if we want to look at Sylvester starting. He's he's a very creative player. He has been his time in Holland. You know, on top of being a decent goal scorer, but. I don't know where it's going to come from in in the midfield. Um, that being said, I still feel as though we probably are favorites, and and I think rightfully so. Um, I could see a draw happening, but I I'm I'm going to be a little optimistic and say that we'll, I, I think that we'll come out the victors. All righty, very quickly here, Adam, as we are coming up to a full stop, we have Daniel one one Chase. Can you put a score line on it for me? Uh. I don't know. It, it, it's hard because, you know, I don't know what the squads are going to be. I don't know if, if yeah. Josef is going to start. If, if Josef Martinez starts, I'm concerned that he might grab a goal. Um, and, you know, we, we've struggled with keeping clean sheets before. So I think I'm going to go 2-1. I think Pato is going to get one and then maybe Chris and then whomever for Atlanta. All right, Adam, how you feeling? I think both teams are a bit of a mess right now being that we're a mess without Pereira until proven otherwise, and Atlanta have not looked good in, in the CCL so far. Um, what? Didn't they... Not not saying they didn't win, but they had a lot... They looked like a bunch of new players that don't have chemistry together, who were honestly playing against not a Mexican team. So, inferior competition. I mean... So. They did I go. Say it was pretty, pretty solid. They did. They went down to ten men at halftime, right before half. Um, so that can Goose. be a part of it. Guzan went out, went down. Do we? Is he not available against us, or is it only in Champions? No, that League? that's just gonna be CCL. That's only so. Yeah, Champions I, but to be fair, that first half they weren't amazing. I think most of the hype comes around their response in the second half to still yeah. go on and win the game down ten men. So I guess it's whichever way you look at it. I just I just don't think that you can put that many new additions into a team and have them all mesh that quickly. They're going to be growing pains. And we saw that. Yeah. Let's doesn't hope matter. Growing pains come on Saturday. The result almost doesn't matter in the CCL to me as, as does the style of play that we saw, which was good better in the second half down a man ironically but still kind of a mess in my opinion i'm gonna give orlando the home field advantage to one because home field seems to matter in mls and it'll be a nice sized crowd for the first time in a while probably um but i don't think that there's that much that separates the two sides right now so i i wouldn't be shocked at a draw or an atlanta win but i'm gonna say the home field advantage gives it to orlando my joseph martinez scores against us because of course and um no. yeah yeah I'm that's definitely bound to happen Pato and benji Pato and benji benji, benji hmm. grabs a late winner i'm thinking we tie i'm here with daniel on the on the tie i'm thinking it's zero zero i think it's gonna be orlando city are not scared 
but they're going to it's going to definitely be a battle and we're not going to want to overextend ourselves and and allow them to win the game and i think it's going to be a lot like the RSL game so we created some good chances in the RSL game but we never really went for it and i think with Pereira being out, I think that's going to be a have a big impact on us, and I I am thinking it's going to be a, a zero zero draw. Um, you know, clean sheet to start the season is never a bad I, bad thing, um, but I would obviously prefer a win. Daniel, really quickly here before I know you have to leave soon. Would a loss be as catastrophic to start the season against Atlanta as it sounds? No. Or. Or is it just like, yeah, we take it on the chin and we move on? Take it on the chin. Good teams take it on the chin. Um, a win would be great. It's the best way to start. <clears throat> I think a clean sheet is extremely important. If we lose, I mean, it's what, 33 more games to go? Yeah. I mean, if you if you, if you you downbeat after one game, then you know that's going to point at the mentality of your players more than anything else. So I don't think, a, I don't think the result matters. I mean, if it's a 4-0 blowout, and Orlando gets completely and comprehensively outplayed, then obviously you're going to be concerned. But I don't think Orlando's going to show up and be that bad. I mean, I think that I think they're going to, they've got a good chance to win. I mean, I, I just personally feel it'll be a draw. I have that feeling. But um, no, a loss is not catastrophic. Um, you just move on to go to the next game, and that's it. All righty. Well, that will do it for us today. That was our season preview and our. Atlanta United preview. Don't forget to leave a five-star review. Do the survey linked in the description. Daniel, any last words? And where can our listeners find you at? You can find me at Bucketman1982 on Twitter. And uh, apologies for my memes and my nonsense that I post on there. It's the <laughs> only way I keep myself sane these days. <laughs> Just complaining about people hating on leads all really, day long. I don't complain about them. I just think it's. I think they're funny. I feel bad for them, to be honest, because I've always been an advocate that you should love your own team more than hate another team. And I think some people have it the other way around. But um, no, uh, you know, just uh, obviously to everybody, I uh, hope you're staying healthy and uh, we're nearly at the end of this pandemic. Things are getting better. Thanks for listening to us last year. I know we're a boring bunch of old tossers, but we tried our best. And... Um, <laughs> You know, hopefully, you you know, we'll have some good things to talk about this year. I'm pretty sure we will. But yeah. just thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks again for everything. And uh, I look forward to hopefully seeing a few of you at the stadium this year. Let's hope. Let's hope. Chase, any final words? Where can our listeners find you at? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Vamos OCSC. Um, yeah, just kind of echoing what Daniel said. I'm excited for another season. It's going to be a good time. Hopefully we get some MLS after dark and it still remains to me the most entertaining soccer league to watch in the world. I agree. Adam. I would say we're in mid season form, right? I would think so. Yeah. <laughs> it's already April. Right. Yeah. Sure. Started uh, in February. Damn. I forgot we'd normally be like a month and a half into the season by now. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Uh, I missed MLS. Long offseason. Crazy. Yeah. That was way too long. So happy it's back. You can find me at Cappy's like yep. all the time because that's what I do with my life. Uh or at Kosher Taco Truck on Instagram or Twitter. So yeah. But good to be back. 
Very good to be back. Hopefully we're talking to you guys next week after a Atlanta United defeat Orlando City win. But we, as always, have to wait. Thank you for listening so much, guys. We'll catch you on the next one. Chance!